Welcome to another episode of the Better Value, Better Business podcast. You are listening to Alexandra Stacey, and this week's episode is still exploring time and the effects on customer behaviour. This week, I have a special guest, Sarah Evans-Howe. Sarah is now a lecturer at the University of Buckingham Business School. She undertook a PhD study on customer perceptions of temporality in contemporary customer complaint behaviour using social media in the context of exceptional experiences in luxury London hotels. I thought that complaining via social media is something we might all be familiar with. So, hello Sarah, it is really lovely to have you on my show. Welcome and thank you for being willing to share some of your research findings with us. So, Firstly, would you like to say something of your background and experience and what led you to doing this study? Um, originally, I wanted to work in um, hotel management. I was aspired to be the general manager of a hotel. Um, I think I was kind of born with an innate sense of customer service and wanting to delight customers. And, and for some reason, hotels seemed a particularly exciting venue, somewhere I enjoyed working. It was every day is different. It's exciting. You never know who's going to walk through the door. Um, and I, I found that to be quite, you know, an adrenaline buzz. And then later on, um, I went into academia to study the theory behind customer service and how it is that we can delight customers and improve customer experience. So although I'm now working in a very different field, um, it's still got some similarities. There is still some um, parallel with what I was doing before in hotels. Thank you. Thanks very much. And um, so I see that you did a PhD study on customer perceptions of temporality, which is what I'm talking about at the moment on my podcast. And you um, were looking at contemporary customer complaint behaviour, um, how they uh, used social media to do that. And again, in the context of exceptional experiences in luxury London hotels. Um, so I did have a look at it. Thank you very much. And I was particularly struck by your visual model of time perception. Now, obviously, this is an audio-only platform. Um, have you? Could you just describe, you know, what what I've seen? You know, the four things in each corner and how they relate. Yes, I hope you don't mind, but I'll just go back slightly and and my interest in this particular topic. What happened was I was interested in. The way customers complain, when I worked in hotels, I used to handle a lot of complaints from irate guests. And over time, I noticed that the way customers complain uh, was changing. And so by the time I went into academia, I wanted to understand this a bit more. Why has customer complaint behavior changed? And one of the most significant differences was the use of social media platforms. And with that, um, the use of mobile devices to complain in the moment of disappointment. So I think we're all familiar nowadays. You know, a lot of people complain on Twitter. If something's going wrong, they want speedy responses. And so when I began my study, um, there was some actually some concern that customers of luxury might be different, that they might not use social media platforms and that they might not use mobile devices. But actually, uh, over the course of my study, that increased um, and proved that they, they do use it in that context as well. And so the main development has been this focus on time 
as a as an issue in complaints and it, it's quite you know obvious I guess in many ways we we become concerned about having a speedy resolution there's a, there's a lot of links to time in terms of complaint behavior so I interviewed um, customers who had had negative experiences and developed this model um, which identifies that there are four different ways that customers tend to perceive time in and this is in a complaint situation but I do think there are parallels that you could apply in other contexts as well so first of all customers think of time as if it's a an entity a physical product a physical thing a bit like money you know as a valuable resource so if I've got time I need to be thinking about how I spend it then they think about time as a passage of time, as a rate of movement. So going from one moment to another from the past um, and so on. And there it's really about speed and how quickly something is being done. We also think about time as an experience of now. So in the moment of now, how does it feel having this particular experience? How does it feel to be disappointed? How does it feel to be making a complaint? And then lastly, we think about time as either a memory or a vision of the future. So we might, if we're complaining, we might think back to how we've had previous complaints handled or resolved. And also we might think about what could be done better in future. We're all kind of learning as we go as customers and thinking, well, I was you know, speaking to another brand and they handled this situation much better. Therefore, my expectations are higher as I go forward into the next situation. So the, there are these four different ways of, of perceiving time. And the, the model that you describe is really saying that that's quite fluid. I'm not sure that we're even aware as individuals which state we're in at any moment. We're kind of flitting between the, the sort of different perceptions. So the, the use of colour is kind of, it's a gradual um, spread from one perception to another. To say that it's, it is, it's not fixed, we don't do it um, you know, consciously, it's it's all very much blurred together. Hope that makes that, sense. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. It does. Have you got any examples you could give of uh, customers? Ex- you know what what that would look like. Yes. Yeah, so, um, for example, if you've experienced a, a disappointment, and you might, let, I'll talk about hotels because that's probably the context I know. Yeah. Best. Um, so if you're going, let's say you're going to the reception desk to complain about the room you've just been checked into that doesn't meet your expectations, you might join a long queue of people who are waiting at the desk. And in that time, you might be thinking, how long is this going to take? How much of my valuable resource of time is this going to consume? Then you'll be thinking, well, how quickly or slowly is the queue moving? How many people in front of me? How many people behind me? How many people on the desk? How likely is it that I'm going to get this resolved? Am I going to have to repeat this talking to a manager or to somebody else? Um, Then you might be thinking about how it feels in that moment. So are you stood next to people who are talking to you or ignoring you? Are you do you feel stressed or hassled? A lot of people are concerned about the the confrontation itself um, and feeling anxious about how they're going to get something resolved. And then you might be thinking back to whether you've spoken to that particular, you know, 
member of staff before or whether you've complained in that hotel before or somewhere else um, and also thinking what is it you want to get done what is it what would your future ideal scenario be how do I end up feeling better about this so there's all these things merging together um, that all have a temporal um, common ground I guess. How did that relate to social media did does that speed up the response rate? What is it about social media that is special? That's a really good question. Um, thank you. Yes, that was the, the key finding, really. Having identified that there are these different perceptions of time, it was that customers I spoke to saw social media platforms and mobile devices to be the solution. So if we go back to the, the sort of four different dimensions, if I've got only very limited time, I want to complain as quickly and as efficiently and as easily as possible. If I'm in my hotel bedroom and I've got a phone in my hand, a mobile phone, I might just send a tweet. I might just go on a chat or a WhatsApp group and try and contact the front desk that way. Now, general managers of hotels find this quite upsetting because they like to <laughs> themselves as very, you know, friendly and approachable and accommodating. And particularly at luxury where, you know, anything you ask, your wishes are command sort of thing. Um, but the, so there's something else going on. Customers are wanting to use their devices rather than speak to somebody. And that might be for a whole host of reasons. It might be because they don't want to have confrontation. But I also found that a lot of that was about this rate of movement perception. So customers were wanting to get on with other things whilst I'm complaining. And that's a, a current theme that we see sort of emerging in what we sometimes call the accelerated society. Our expectations of what can be achieved have vastly increased. So we expect now to be able to be doing simultaneous acts at once. People are on their mobile phones whilst watching television, shopping, buying things on Amazon or whatever it is. Um, and so there's a lot of, of these different things at play. Um, Does it mean that managers are getting a lot more complaints than they used to because customers are finding it much easier to find time to do it? I guess they're getting different sorts of complaints they're getting I think general managers are feeling annoyed that the complaints are often public I think that's one of the things they've got wise to more recently if I can have a chatbot that's private if I can have a whatsapp group that customers are introduced to when they check into the hotel that's going to be a lot better for their reputation than something which takes place publicly um, so if we can get it off twitter if we can get it off a, a public forum that's got to be a good thing um, so whether there's a greater volume, it's difficult to say. I mean, I think definitely the general managers I spoke to receive a lot less letters. In the past, they would have had people who were, you know, typical, what you would think of as a stereotypical complainer, writing a long letter. Similarly, I think, well, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Do you have fewer people stood in the lobby of the hotel shouting and saying, this is not good enough? Whereas actually, they're, if they're using social media platforms, they're still making it public, but it's it's discoverable to a wider audience. Um, I mean, that was one of the things yes. when I worked in hotels, we were trained to handle complaints. We were always taught, take your irate guest away from all the other guests so it doesn't spread. <laughs> and I think that's really what that they're still trying to do with social media. 
So this is so you're not you don't want other guests to learn from the other ones. But doesn't this slightly relate to this idea of temporal pressure of our expectations and norms have changed? Yes, they have. Um, I think that's absolutely right. People expect. I mean, that, that's one of the things, isn't it? With increasing technology, you would think that we would all have more leisure time, that we would have more choice and control and freedom. But actually, what seems to happen is is a temporal paradox that actually the more we're able to do, the more we try to do and we push ourselves to do ever more. So, you know, you have discussions about work-life balance, about people checking emails after hours at home and doing that, you know, on their phones whilst with family trying to do leisure activities. Um the more the more we are able to do, the more we do, and and that's what creates the pressure. And and I guess as well from a social context, if you're seeing your friends and colleagues doing more, there is some sort of onus on you to feel I need to be doing my bit. I need to be working as hard as everybody else as well, and it kind of perpetuates. That I thought that was very interesting. That um, and the idea that people now boast about how they spend time as if there's some sort of virtue attached to spending it in a certain kind of way. Yes, absolutely. I think that's very true. I mean, I've certainly found that from my interviews. A lot of people were very proud to say how busy they were. And, you you know, you get that at work. People will often be be very proud. I haven't got time to speak to you. I haven't got time for a meeting. Um, I've got too much to do. And, And that kind of implies that I'm good at my job I'm in demand a lot of people want to speak to me so therefore I'm a I'm a great member of staff and and interestingly we also see kind of the reverse of that as well people who are able to dedicate time for you know um sort of leisure or or taking a break or or even the sort of growth of mindfulness it's it's kind of a pushback against that that we've we're recognizing that there is now some value some worth in not just being busy but having the strength of character to say no I'm doing a good enough job I do need some other you know stimulus from other things to re to reset so that I will perform better but I think that's that's quite hard a lot of people find that very difficult to do Oh, that's interesting that uh, the mindfulness has trended really with uh, the acceleration of time perception because of social media. Yes, yeah, time pressures. Um, yeah, I wonder if they are completely, you know, are related, correlated yeah. um, like that. A lot of customers perceive that social media provides the solutions to the temporal problems that they have. So if I'm under pressure to do things, if I've got to be somewhere and do something, having something in my hand, a pocket-held solution, if you like, is very appealing, is very um, attractive. So I can complain in my hotel bedroom, but I can get on with other things. I can I, I cannot let it inter- interrupt too much with what I want to get on with in terms of relaxing and having a nice time. Um, I can also use it as a kind of diary to record my complaint experiences. And I think this is also quite interesting. Um, customers are now, you know, we see people regularly taking photographs during an experience to record that. 
that's interesting from the perspective of why do we do that? Why do we want to record it rather than actually enjoy the experience or watch it? You know, you'll see people at concerts filming it rather than watching it. Is that because we trust our devices to remember it more than our own memories? Um, what is that about? Um, and we're also looking backwards and, and thinking about what we've done in the past. So if you've made a complaint and you've recorded it on your on your phone, you're much more easily able to go back and see, well, actually, I spoke to somebody on such a date at such a time. This is who I spoke to. I've been waiting too long for a response. Come back to me more quickly. So it's also making customers more empowered, I guess, as well. Um, whereas previously, perhaps it would have been the hotel who had the record of what happened when. I mean, this was this was one of the things I found most interesting, actually. I went to interview general manager of a very high-end luxury hotel in London. And he would say, you know, that if you complain about how long it's taking you to get your afternoon tea, we will actually go back through the CCTV and watch it and see if you're right. Um, we're not going to just take your word for it that it took 25 minutes. We're going to go back and say, well, actually, no, it was only 12 minutes or whatever. So therefore, your complaint is not justified. I'm not sure how good that is. I mean, it, what's the purpose of handling the complaint? Is it to form a good relationship with the guest or is it to be right? Um, <laughs> so that's another another whole question. And presumably some people don't want their afternoon tea served that quickly. No, that's another really important point. Yes, thank you. I think, you know, we've all got, if you like, a different temporal profile. We we expect speed um, to be appropriate, but our own judgment of what is appropriate speed varies by context and it varies by our own mood, you know, and our own experience. Um, so, you know, if I'm waiting in a luxury hotel to be served. I might actually prefer slower service where I don't feel rushed. But if I'm waiting in a newsagent to buy something at the counter, I expect it to be quicker. Um, and that's me that's changed as, as well. It's not just about the, the context. Yes, I, I think if I was having afternoon tea in a luxury hotel, I would be enjoying people watching and uh, I don't want to rush out the door straight away. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Definitely. I mean, there's also this um, development as well with some luxury hotels offering a digital detox now because customers find it so difficult to, to put their phones down um, that you can actually check in and leave your phone at the desk to take that temptation away for people who don't feel they have enough self-control um, and want somebody else to kind of parent them in that way. That's interesting. That's an interesting idea. Um, uh, it'd be even more interesting if they could leave their watches behind as well. Yes, that's, that's an interesting idea, isn't it? Yes, a complete switch off. <laughs> yes, yeah. So have you got anything you can add about patterns of complaints? Yes, I did gather some data about what days of the week people were more likely to complain on social media. And it's I suppose it's pretty much as you would expect. So from a hotel, certainly from a luxury hotel, most complaints come in on Mondays um, because that's quite soon after the experience. If, if we're um, assuming that people are going to visit the hotel at the weekend, then there would be an influx of complaints on a Monday. Um, and similarly on a Friday. 
it was pretty much even over what time of day, um, although obviously there is some variability on that. But one of the things I did find interesting was that when I compared how long it took people to respond to complaints that were made by Twitter. So if um, a customer complained on Twitter, it would often take up to three days for a, a hotel to respond to that complaint. But as soon as the hotel responded, the customer was straight on it within a couple of hours usually. So there's a big difference in the time span um, to respond to Twitter from hotels versus guests, which is interesting um, and obviously something that needs correcting. Because, And I think it can be explained by the fact that in the customer's life, making the complaint is a big deal. It's something important, It's particularly if it's been very expensive, and that might be expensive in terms of money and or time, particularly, you know, if it's a one-off family event like an anniversary, if, you, if that's a disappointment, even if you get the opportunity to come back and have another go, you've, you're not going to be able to exactly repeat it because the anniversary may have passed and so on. Um, so, yeah, th there's a big difference in how quickly it's it's resolved and similarly in the the hotel's life it's not so significant because they've got many well hopefully not many but some complaints <laughs> um yeah so they're tr it's not as big a deal to them so perhaps that's why it takes a few days but there is and and in where there were conversations where there was a complaint made by a customer then the hotel responded then the customer went back again same thing happened again. It took another couple of days for the hotel to come back. And then again, the customers quickly on it with anything. And, and that can add to um, the grievance. If the, if the customer feels that, that the response isn't quickly, isn't being given quickly enough, that adds to the disappointment, which will only make it worse. Yes. Um, do you think when people don't get back to you quickly, does it look as though they are valuing your time? Is it you're not a priority is yes I think that a lot of people perceive it that way I think you know another thing we haven't talked about is attention spans I think the fact that people are able to do synchronous tasks with multiple devices at once and because our expectations of what can be achieved have increased our attention spans are much shorter I noticed that with myself you know I can some I have to leave my phone upstairs when I'm watching television in the evening now so that I'm not tempted to look at it um, and I also see it with students I'm teaching particularly undergraduate students who are in that generation of, of who've grown up with technology that they they find it really difficult not to be doing multiple tasks at once and I need to think but this is this is understandable again having that empathy rather than taking it necessarily as an insult there's just a different expectation of what we can what we all expect to achieve within a certain time and i suppose from the organization's point of view like your your general manager of a hotel um he has to or she has to be very take the complaint very seriously and consider it you know can't multitask and do a general reply back so it's a slightly different focus yes that's another good point actually those those um, hotels which seem to be using or is perceived by the customer to be using cut and paste to save time that's received very poorly customers want to have an individual response that certainly sounds as if they've you know been heard 
and be listened to. And I think that's one of the dangers. I mean, I looked at TripAdvisor reviews as well. And it sometimes there is a generic response. And it, it also on Twitter, you know, you'll often get the response, please send a DM. That's it. There's not anything personal. And and so that then puts the onus again on the customer who's got to make the effort to find the time to do it, to chase it up. Um, and it just it just leads to ill feeling. Just just an observation. I don't know if you know the answer to this. Um, do you think that if people just make a verbal complaint, are they more likely to forget about it later so it doesn't ruin their experience? Is that different from when they make a written kind of complaint? I think it will vary by individual, but I, I do agree that, um, you know, a lot of complaint making is often about venting, about feeling better. How quickly can I feel better? And if you if you do it vocally, that might give you an immediate catharsis, an immediate relief, and that might enable you to move on and forget about it. And then you might think, well, I don't know why I was so heated at the time. Um, and obviously, if you've got a record of it on your phone, you're more likely to be reminded of that. So, yes, I think that's that's highly likely. Yeah. But okay. there won't be some customers for whom it's, it's the other way around. So you talked about the accelerated society. Do you think it's still accelerating? That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, we we hear about the accelerated society and maybe we think it's something that's only developed recently. But actually, this from looking back over literature, it, it's something that's been in existence for quite a long time. I mean, originally, I think the the whole idea of clock time and trying to dis- divide time into portions um, comes from capitalism and the Industrial Revolution and wanting to be able to to get maximum value from time. And I think we've held on to that today, but it kind of comes out perhaps in a different way of, of this temporal pressure of what we've got to do when. Um, so I suppose the Accelerated Society, I mean, one of the authors that I particularly like is called Judy Waxman, and she's written a very good book called Pressed for Time. Um, and in it, she talks about this temporal paradox of feeling that we should have more free time because we've got all this technological advancement, but actually the reverse is true. Um, and she believes that the Accelerated Society has come about for th- due to three specific areas. Um Technology has enabled life to go faster. Also, social change. I mean, I think that's we've touched on that a bit, but it's very much part of what we think of as acceptable behaviour. And obviously, there'll be a cultural dimension to this. It's also worth saying there's a very big difference in temporal perceptions by nationality. Um, And certainly in the West, we're very much into clock time and what it means, whereas in other cultures, saying you'll arrive at 11 o'clock means 12 o'clock and that they're much more relaxed and much more fluid about that. And that's, that's acceptable. It just depends on what's your, what's your own personal normal. Um, So there's a lot of, of temporality that comes from our social interaction. Um, But also going back to Judy, she says that the third thing is coming from the increasing pace of life that we actually think that life is getting faster now, you asked, is that true? I, I guess it's difficult to know the answer to that. Um, for some of us, I suppose we think it is, but for others, maybe not. And maybe it also comes down to age and, and stage of life. 
and so on. Uh, one of the other things that's interesting is is this idea of speed and speed up, um, and and actually that when you've got two systems going at different paces, or maybe even you could say two individuals, one who tends to be quicker and one who tends to be slower, there is always a pressure on the one that's going slower to speed up. So you see this in a, a city situation. If you go to the centre of London, the speed with which everybody seems to be getting about their business is fast. And because of that, people perceive they need to be fast. So people tend to move quicker. It's a, a faster pace of life. Whereas if you're in a, a you know, a more, a, a less urban situation, that pressure isn't quite the same. There's a greater acceptance that we're doing what we want to at the speed we want to, and it, it's not as obvious. So the metropolis um, can have a, a role as well. Yes, yeah. Um, one of the things um, I've been reading about doing this um, is how people are now mixing up their time segments. For, you know, one time we thought of, you know, eight-hour work, eight-hour non-work and eight-hour sleep. But uh, work patterns today seem to be shifting to a kind of almost on pattern for a lot of workers uh, where they find themselves working, they work and leisure time are mixed and intermingled um, in a way that was unthought of, you know, 40 years ago. Yes, absolutely. I think that you're right. Always on is a is a recognised um, phenomenon that, that people do feel they've got to always be available. Um, and that is quite a pressure. And I'm not sure how beneficial or positive that is, really. People need to feel that they are allowed some downtime um, and to be able to escape from that, that pressure. So do you have any impressions or did you discover... Um, you know, ways that a business or organisation can respond to um, to these new requirements of customers. What is it they now need to think about? Yeah, I think I think really, in a nutshell, what um, managers or you know anyone who's dealing with customers, I I think the best advice really is to remember that. Customers are very different from one another. I mean, I know that's quite difficult to manage because obviously we want to have groups of customers as similar as possible, market segmentation and, and so on. But customers do have different priorities and they do change, you know, on a daily basis or on a, even during an experience. Um, so I think having some awareness that uh, maybe it's better to say, you know, general managers are very conscious that customers are spending their money. That seems to be quite, you know, well understood. And there's a lot of empathy for that. But I do think that general managers struggle with the concept of customers having time, have, spending their time, and that that is also very valuable to them today. And perhaps more so, as we've already said, Um so, you know, one of the things that general managers would say to me is people who complain, they've got time to complain. If you've got time to complain, then, you know, find something else more important to do. And that's a bit of a backward way of looking at it. Um, I would look at it as if a customer has got time to complain, then this is important to them. And if it's important to them, then it should be important to you because otherwise they're not going to be happy and they're going to leave. So, 
I think sometimes hotels particularly can be quite defensive. Maybe that's true in complaint handling generally. We can want to to be right rather than to say, okay, I understand why this is important to you. Let me see how I can help. So I, I think having empathy for the role of time in a customer's life, even in a luxury setting, even in a slow setting, because there will be times when the customer wants it to be done quickly. I mean, a good example of that is actually getting a bill. I'm sure we've all had the experience of going out for lunch or for dinner, wanting to leave and having to wait a very long time to get the bill, whether that's because the organization feels bad, you know, the waiter feels bad that you've got to pay. Um, but often customers just want that stage fixed so they have the freedom of choice to leave when they want to leave. Um, so I think that having having that insight is quite helpful. I found that interesting that you said, uh, because you were talking about luxury hotels. So perhaps those customers... Um, let's assume these are people that can perhaps, you know, this isn't perhaps a one-off, perhaps they're going to luxury hotels regularly. They really do have the money and the wealth to afford it. Therefore, for them, the time is a more valuable commodity than the money. Yes, I think that's a very good point. Um, it could well be that that the time is more yeah, it's more perishable, I guess, isn't it, than the money? Yeah. You've got yeah. unlimited resources and you're very wealthy. You can't replace time. Um, and actually, in some ways, that's quite a leveller because that's true for everybody. But again, I, I suppose those people with more money are able to have more choice about how that time is spent. So it, it is it is a very interesting concept. Yes, yeah, yes. I've been finding uh, this all very interesting, this thing about time. Uh, thank you. Anyway, I'll, I'll round it up and say thank you uh, very much for spending your time uh, coming on this podcast. And, um, thank you. And if people want to find out more about your research, can I pass your contact details on to them? Yes, I'd be delighted to hear from anyone who's interested. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Um so that rounds up this episode. And next week, I will be interviewing an insurance broker about a phenomenon he noticed in his Google Ads campaign that is also related to time. Goodbye. Goodbye.